Hey everyone, it's Guillaume from Startup Basecamp. Welcome to Tech for Climate podcast. During the show, you will have the opportunity to meet the best climate tech founders, investors, experts from Silicon Valley and around the globe. They will share with you their stories and personal journey in this growing industry, giving you some insights on the ecosystem to hopefully help you to take part in the climate change fight and benefit from the opportunities that it can also represent. The podcast is divided in two small interviews. During the first part, you will get to know our speaker, their perspective on the climate crisis and how climate tech is changing the game. The second part of the talk will be for all members of the community who will learn from the speakers their secret sauce on how to, sharing with you their unique expertise on various topics as fundraising, management, strategy, and so on to help you to become a better leader in your field. Let's go for the show. Hi everyone, in today's episode, we will speak with Andrea Constantinescu, partner at Planet First Partners. She will share with you an amazing story starting from Goldman Sachs in M&A to the transition into climate tech investments. You will learn in more detail the investment thesis of Planet First, a growth equity investment fund with two major teams, better for the planet, better for the people, with a focus on EU HQ companies. Andrea will share with you how they developed a complex framework to measure impact and make their investment decision with an innovative and systemic approach. Finally, she will share with you the underdog areas in climate tech in which she sees exciting potential for investment and growth. In the second part of the show, Andrea will share her secret sauce to increase your odds to fundraise successfully. You will learn some key red flags that makes investors pass on deals. Finally, you will get a few valuable tips on work-life balance for founders and investors. Andrea, welcome to the show. Hi, Andrea. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. We are super happy to uh, have you here with us. So before we start, uh, could you please give us a 30-second introduction about Planet First Partners? Hi, Guillaume. Nice to be with you and your audience. Um, Planet First Partners, uh, we are an evergreen investment platform focused on uh, growth equity investment in the sustainability area uh, with two big themes, better for the planet, better for people. So uh, the name has it all. Okay. And we're based in London. We are based in London. So maybe that's a really important, uh, important fact and focused on European headquartered businesses or businesses headquartered elsewhere that have a real strategic uh, angle or, or focus um, uh, in entering Europe, for example, where we can um, be, be of help in, in that way. Fantastic. So let's start from the top. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about your story and background? Anything specific about you that's not public yet? Maybe something that uh, you like to do or don't like? Uh, well, look, uh, I think it's I, I, everyone that uh, ends up, you know, working in this industry has their own story about transitioning. Uh, and I've actually, I am, I'm a contributor to um, Icarus Complex, Complex, which is um, a magazine um, on the topic of sustainability and uh, very much focused on solutions to climate change. 
and it's a very multidisciplinary uh, magazine. Uh, so I'm a writer there. And when I, I interview people quite often, and what, what I'm passionate about is people's transitioning, their personal transitioning story. Um, so mine is, is the, as follows. I actually started on, uh, on the dark side. I started my career at Goldman Sachs in, in M&A, uh, moved over to the, you know, investing in private equity. Um, and I had the great luck to work under a visionary at uh, a fund called Media Europa Partners, where we mapped out in the late 2000s, the entire renewable um, energy uh, arena in Central um, Europe. And so that was probably my first touch uh, with, uh, with the area of, let's say, climate uh, investing. And probably um, the moment that I knew that uh, there is a special feeling when you work in, on projects where, where both your career and your values are aligned was um, doing a transaction called Energy 21 in Czech Republic, which was the largest operating PV plant. So um, that, that was in 2010. It, it, it took me another 10 years to um, ultimately throw in the towel finally and, and move uh, to, to making a, a, a full-time career in, in the um, sustainability space. Um, but the, journeys, uh, the journey was not a straight line. It took some time. And I think the area is now mature enough uh, for many others to follow. So I invite everyone that, that needs uh, a little bit of inspiration to, to reach out. Okay, but who is, uh, who is Andrea? What do you like uh, besides being a, a successful investor? Well, I guess uh, I'm the, the, the underlying reason. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I love the ocean. I love to surf. Uh, I love to sail. I love to dive. And so whenever I find myself in, in that environment, this belief and desire to, to really bring my own contribution to the space is, is renewed. And I come back with, uh, with a lot of inspiration. So it really helped that I, I, I managed to spend the last lockdown in, in, uh, in a small surfing town in, in Brazil. Uh, so coming back to London, now that everything is open, is, uh, I come back with a lot of energy to, to move the, make a real contribution to the, to the sustainability arena. So can you give us um, an, your overview of the uh, climate tech ecosystem today? Uh, where are we at? Uh, what needs to happen to have the climate tech ecosystem being able to fully support the 2050 uh, net zero goal, according to you? And I know it's a very large question, so uh, um, please uh, feel free to, uh, to go, go for it. Yeah, so look, I, I think the answer lies in how we set up Planet First because it's a new platform. And so we asked ourselves exactly that uh, when, when setting it up. Um, and, and there's two answers to that. One is, um, you know, as it, it, it's the bigger, you know, um, picture question around what is driving the investability of this area that was not there, let's say, 20 years ago or in the previous uh, clean tech bust of early 2000s. Um, and at least our thesis is that it's the interaction of three big megatrends, which is um, technological maturity, um, it's societal demand, and it's scarcity of natural resources. And so these three aspects interacting right now um, make it economically viable at scale to invest in the technologies that are going to enable the economy to transition to a net zero over the next you know, 20 years. We probably have two business cycles to do this. Um, but but that's, our, that's our thesis now. Um, why growth equity? I mean, 
the, the answer why it's growth equity as well is, is the following. Um, I had in my career at least done, um, you know, I had invested across a variety of asset classes. So when I approached the idea of, okay, how do you, if you are to start from scratch, um, what investment mandate or what asset class is the right asset class for, you know, this uh, point of, of development, um, of, of uh, investment in sustainability, um, I mapped out the continuum from seed uh, or university level kind of very early stage investing to you know venture, series A, series B, growth, private equity, and then public markets. And when you look at this continuum, we notice that, or I mean, both myself and, and my uh, founding partners have noticed separately, in fact, and we concluded why growth equity, that everything up to growth equity was relatively well invested, i.e. there were plenty of portfolios um, invested by Series A and Series B investors, and even earlier stage than that, um, that had nurtured these companies for the last five to 10 years. Uh, and there is a bottleneck at growth. There, there are very few investors at the moment at which these companies have a proven technology, and they just need that scale-up capital. And so that's why we think that um, you know, growth equity is the right um, strategy, let's say, benefiting from white space, but also from this, uh, you know, this is only made possible by all of the efforts of the earlier stage investors in this area and these verticals of, um, of, of the economy. So, yeah, that's, that's a longer, <laughs> longer answer, but those are, th 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 those are the two aspects that, that uh, um, basically were, were the top of our mind when, when we established the firm. Okay, and um, can you let us know a little bit more about like uh, for this, this the growth equity? I mean, what is the typical uh, check size that uh, you guys write to uh, to the, the, the founders, and and what do you offer to uh, the founders in your in your portfolio to to support them? So the the, the way that we define it, and um, is and this is obviously probably going to evolve um, because, um, you know, as the industry grows, I suppose that um, there will be more capital brought to the markets, fund size will evolve and everything will go bigger. But today where we are is we're, we intend to write equity checks of 10 to 30 million uh, plus minus 20 millions uh, from co-investors. So this leads us to, to quite a broad, um, you know, size, uh, a bucket between 10 and 50 in total, which allows us to ultimately participate to funding rounds up to 150 million, if you think, uh, in, in the more capital intensive verticals such as um, energy transition or industry 4.0. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a size that allows us to make ecosystem investments on at the low end and really um, be participating in the real scale ups um, in the asset heavy uh, part of um, the thesis, mm -hmm. part, part of the us... pipeline. Yeah, sorry. Um, can, can you give us some, some examples, uh, maybe on your previous investments, uh, what makes them uh, special, maybe the team, the market, technology? How do you source also those, uh, those founders and team? I mean, in a way, who should come to pitch you? So we, we've imposed, um, so as I said, we have a very strict mandate. We are an Article 9 fund, the darkest shade of green, which means that we are only investing in um, comp well, companies um, that uh, are one on one side uh, ready for growth equity, which means that the technology is largely proven, that the unit economic 
is is well established and the economic viability of the, of the entire business model is, is established. So that's on the you know size maturity standpoint. From an in, impact perspective, uh, we only invest in companies that are making um, a material contribution to the sustainability development goals. Um, and in terms of um, how we determine that um, on, on the companies that uh, have a prim primarily um, climate uh, positive area of impact rather than a social impact side, uh, we guide ourselves by the European Union green taxonomy that has just come into force. And it's probably the first time that we have real thresholds by operating activity that really determine what is material contribution by ver you know by subsector of the economy and and what is not so we've imposed quite uh, stringent guardrails um, at least with regards to environmental impact because here these the the, the thresholds are are established um, and uh, and so we are looking to partner and and support um, companies that are again looking to make that have technologies that are proven um, in the area of uh, climate and, and and social impact, and and it's it's um, with, with the way we're organized, and I think that this will explain a bit more. It's it's basically across the economy. So we are let's say generalist investors, which means that we are there are quite a lot of funds that are um, you know uh, focused on one vertical or another. We mm -hmm. have uh, six verticals that literally span the entire economy going from energy transition industry 4.0 green city so everything that has that is happening in an urban center everything from mobility to construction to to, to green living um ag tech uh, which is basically from synthetic biology the seed to everything uh with you know distribution and logistics to um you know one of the greatest successes of my partners was the investment in Oatly, so that the consumer brands uh, are, are probably the, the, the end of that um, ag tech um, vertical. Circularity, which we are trying to support businesses that are um, desi by design eliminating waste, so uh, the sharing economy and, and so on. And lastly, uh, consumer um, you know, health and wellness. Uh, so as you can see, we have a really broad um, thematic which allows us ultimately to, um, to avoid some of the areas where we see a lot of froth in the market and focus on the area where we, we think that we can, one, um, partner, partner more substantially with, with the, the partners and drive both impact and, and uh, you know, returns for, for our investment investors. Um, and so I, I guess... Um, one thing to clarify is that we do expect to have market returns. Like there is no, we are, we, we do not, um, there, there is uh, ultimately no, um, yeah, so there will be no compromise when it comes to returns. Um, mm -hmm. Therefore, we, we're doing our analysis and our financial work just as any other fund and are aiming mm -hmm. to deliver market returns um, at growth stage. So that gives me, I mean, I think that's a good segue to, uh, to go to the, the, the next uh, question uh, that we spoke about. So what are the, the, the sectors are the most promising for you today in terms of like impact cash return, uh, this ICR, so meaning building impactful companies while creating highly profitable business that you guys see today? Yeah, so the, the, the most exciting um, verticals where we see the most pipeline and and we really see the commercial viability of these businesses accelerating um, as a result of you know 
demand, real demand in the market from corporates is, um, is in a couple of areas. And I would probably start um, with the areas that are less maybe hot uh, when you read the newspaper. But for me, this is quite, quite exciting because we can, uh, we can be the first in, that, in those markets, which is material science. So an area, for example, like, um, you know, fashion is the, you know, in, in certain aspects, a, a, a real uh, material polluter is probably the second most polluting uh, sector of the economy um, and has been relatively slow to, to really shift its practices. Um, and we see great development in uh, material science along everything from, you know, finding bio-based uh, substitution to um, fossil fuel derived materials like polyester, which is uh, a very commonly used um, thread um, mm -hmm. to the processing of, of the materials. Uh, we're looking at companies that have, um, you know, proven technologies and, and digital printing, for example, completely eliminating um, the, the pollution from dyes um, to companies that are bringing just complete, completely um, you know, new processing in terms of recycling materials. So we see recycling cashmere and, and real and, and spider silk and loads of like really exciting materials that are now at the, at the uh, where the technology is mature enough to really bring these innovations to market to the mass channel. We're not talking about really high-end brands that could afford these very, very expensive materials. We, we think that we're now crossing over to to these technologies being mature to be commercially scalable. Um, so that's really, really exciting. Um, other verticals that where we see uh, loads of exciting developments, you know, in the, from the fork to farm to fork vertical, uh, so much, uh, you know, development from everything like uh, intelligent protein design um, using, um, you know, in some cases proteins to, uh, eliminate um, uh, other unhealthy sugar substitutes all the way to um, businesses that are, uh, eliminate food wastage to um, SaaS businesses that um, allow for, um, you know, en enabling the communication between farmers and, you know, big companies like Nestle and Starbucks. So uh, really along the entire chain of, of farm or, or even earlier than the farm, let's say synthetic biology, to logistics and distributions, to, to new brands, uh, challenging and changing the way that um, that the industry operates. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, really exciting. Um, and maybe lastly, if I could say, and you'll see how yeah. I mean, the challenge is, is maybe in the energy transition, because maybe the energy transition, this is where my own personal transition started, because I, I, I had the exposure very early in my career. Uh, but it's so nice to have followed this industry, for example, to, to see how it goes. For, it went from, you know, PV being um, only, uh, let's say, investable as a result of subsidies and then wind developing at scale and all of these things kind of reaching a scale where they're economically viable without subsidies. We're now kind of seeing that entire development in the hydrogen space and really, really excited to, to see that, um, you know, European Union has a real strategy and a plan to uh, decarbonize the economy um, where hydrogen is the, is the only economically viable answer. Uh, and it's really exciting, but we're also seeing uh, companies really leveraging the technologies uh, to enable um, energy independence for individual homes. Um, so 
you know, across the board uh, from consumer to this very large, you know, steel manufacturers being decarbonized, uh, hydrogen is, is really proving economically viable, which, which really is, was a dream, let's say 10, 20 years ago. So again, across the entire, you know, uh, spectrum of, 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 um, of the economy, there's just a lot of really great opportunities to, to look at. So, and I understand uh, there's so many different, I mean, you know, speaking with the different uh, guests on the, on the podcast and investors, we realize it's really like, in fact, climate tech is so, uh, so, so huge. And, but I like to understand, and that's always like a question that we like to ask, it's uh, in terms of um, impact, you, you mentioned that uh, you guys are following the, the European guidelines uh, in terms of uh, impact in itself. So do you have any specific process uh, or framework uh, in-house uh, that you use to um, base your uh, investment decision on? Uh, do you rely on scientists or experts to validate uh, the tech and the, and the impact? Um, I don't know, is there any specific more like uh, criteria uh, related to uh, CO2 impact in itself or maybe social impact, how that's, uh, that, that, uh, that works in, uh, in, uh, on your side? Okay, so I will start with, again, the big picture principles that determined how we designed, um, you know, the impact process that we have. Um, so that you understand kind of like how, how that also evolves. So we started with the big picture desire to invest uh, in the area of, of sustainability. And we chose the sustainability development goals because um, they are commonly agreed, agreed upon. Uh, so these areas have been, the, you know, the area of sustainability has been debated internationally for many, many years, and these are now consensual. So we wanted mm -hmm. to start with consensus. So, okay, these are, and then we, the sustainability development goals were set up for governments, however. So in interpreting these in an invest, to make them investable, we basically looked at the challenges underpinning humanity being able to reach the sustainability development goals. And then we mm -hmm. mapped out where they occur in the real world. And this is basically how we built our impact framework that sits at the core of how we assess every single company. Um, mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, and, and that, um, and then when it comes to, um, so, you know, we basically have this big database um, that um, maps out the areas of potential, you know, positive impact of each subsector of the economy, um, mm -hmm. and which are the SDGs that it can pos positively impact. And then for each of these, wherever this, the, the current, um, you know, taxonomy has a key threshold, it's obviously in there. Now in terms of process, so this was the big picture um, that, that informed our approach. Um, we have, um, my colleague Sergio Carvalho is our head of impact. Um, he was a former um, National Secretary of Biodiversity of Brazil. Uh, he is a biologist and, and a scientist and he's just finished his PhD in, in sustainability at um, in Oxford. So um, he, he was the mastermind be behind this uh, this impact framework, and he is the um, he runs the entire process on the impact side. And this process, because we had the chance to basically start from scratch, uh, we stepped back and we said, "How should we do this?" Well, because there were no other precedents, we 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 talked, we, we looked around and and asked how uh, many of our peers do it, and some of them, um, you know 
some of them do it in-house, some, some of them maybe use third parties, but ultimately nobody had um, a real, we, there are no steps to follow. So we, we decided to make our own. Um, so basically we have an impact framework that, uh, that really substantiates our value set with regards to impact, determines what is green and what is not. And so mm -hmm. there's many companies that just don't have a material. I mean, they do great things, but they're not. They, those things are not material and impact. And and sometimes we have to say no to companies. So that's the first thing. It really is guardrails that come with opportunities, but also limitations. And we have now just as and and so the impact process runs very much in parallel with the with the investment process, i.e. Um, when a teaser, let's say, comes in from a potential um, startup, we look at it from both an, an investability standpoint, but also from an impact perspective. And so it has, we have to clearly identify the area of positive contribution and figure out exactly uh, what are the KPIs and try to develop an impact thesis at the same time as we develop the investment thesis. Um, let's say that this company advances, it goes, gets to term sheet and due diligence, just as we have our, we validate our impact thesis in the same way that we validate our investment thesis, and we have a value creation plan and we have an impact creation plan that we agree, and basically that sits at the at the heart of of what is agreed with our partners, fellow shareholders, with the management team, uh, and that really codifies our you know common alignment around these two aspects. And uh, once the company, let's say um, we, we make the investment as part of our portfolio, we then have key KPIs that we monitor and that we report on. And obviously it's always very, very particular to the investment and, the, the, and, and to the impact thesis that, that we're underwriting. Um, and, and we try to obviously be quite uh, thoughtful and not overburden early stage companies with too much uh, you know, rubber stamping. The idea is more to to be to cleverly design something that is able to not help the company only report their their impact, but also real really uh, come up with creative strategies to 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 turn positive impact in positive value creation because ultimately that is our mission. Um, and and that that uh, in terms of how how that's perceived, we get this question all the time, like uh, you know. Our company is pushing back, and it's it's uh, it's really interesting. Companies that are um, that are likely to end up in our portfolio love it. They love that they can finally have a meeting of minds with people that care about the same things and are doing things properly and and you know scientifically backed and and so on. So uh, most of the time, it's it's a great differentiator for us, and uh, it it generates a, a lot of positive traction um, for us in the process. So thank you so much yeah. for sharing that. I think that's uh, that's a very valuable point. Is that something that you guys uh, plan in the in the in the future to uh, to share with uh, the other uh, investors, or in terms of um, in terms of like frameworks or step by step to really like ensure more going into this impact slash uh, financial return, or is more something that at this stage we're still uh, you know grinding it and improving it, uh, and then maybe one day. No, we absolutely, we are very collaborative. Um, in fact, uh, Sergio, our head of impact, sits on the European Un Union platform for sustainable investment. And, and so we're trying to also, um, sometimes we make small investment in earlier stage funds. Um, and, and sometimes we, we help um, more mainstream finance 
funds to to kind of start taking the first steps towards uh let's say the esg more broadly um mm-hmm. we are extremely collaborative and we hopefully will want to um make this you know to to bring a lot of transparency and to even publish um the reports and our approach um and make it open source if you will we'd love for more people to 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 really um you know, take this robust, robust science-based approach to to uh, measuring impact. And by the way, whilst normally we, we you know, we focus on on you know, we don't focus only on amplifying impact creation. We also do whenever we do our impact assessment, it's 360. So let's say that we invest in a company because they have a technology that can save a lot of water. Um, we also make sure that. Uh, this company does not do any other harm in any other area. So the impact assessment is 360. We don't just focus narrowly on on the one, you know, the, the key positive um, area. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's something that I really wanted to to stress because ultimately, um, you know, that and and that process, we believe that every single firm should should do. That's yeah. fantastic. So how can the community of uh, listeners uh, can help you today? Send me uh, any ideas around companies that can really move the needle and, and make the world a better place. Uh, you, you have to share my email uh, after. Look, I, I think it's uh, everyone is a consumer. Everybody votes with their money, right? So making those changes in, in your consumption, informing yourself um, about these topics, uh, I think is really important. And making those you know changes, basically being an early adopters of all of these technologies, um, that's that's the best way that I think listeners can can really help. Um, listeners can also help by ultimately choosing their uh, choosing as I did to align their careers w- with their value set as well, and and basically, um, you know, transition, <laughs> let's say, in their own way, because there's always there's always something that you can do. You know, in any area of the economy. Um, opportunities are are popping up, so be curious and and find your own journey if 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 that's where your values set is. Any question I should have asked and I did not. <laughs> um, I <laughs> I don't know. Let me let me think what what I want to t- <laughs> what what I want to tell your uh, your audience. Um, look. Um, I think, I actually think there is a question, you know, like with any, um, with anything that brings, that, that brings a lot of growth and excitement comes the risk that there are a lot of people that use um, the label to call themselves a green or, 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 you know, so basically my, I, sometimes I, I fear um, that um, the industry might lose its well. That that the the word sustainability and ESG uh, gets used um, too widely, basically, and that it loses its credibility with everybody from you know consumers, investors, regulators, and that's my biggest fear. Um, ultimately, I, I want to um, to highlight that. Uh, we saw a tremendous amount of, you know, sustainability labels, ETFs. Um, there's just a lot of uh, funds popping up. And I really do encourage people to to really do their work, 
to to read the um, the small font and to make sure that if they get involved, um, if they invest, to to really proceed with care because right now um, you know these efforts to regulate these the industry are are very early on and mm-hmm. and very encouraging. Things are moving at a pace that that is really. Uh, accelerated and really encouraging, um, but but we're still operating in a largely uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. So we'll uh, we'll conclude the, the uh, part one of the uh, interview uh, now. And thank you so much, Andrea. It was a pleasure to uh, to speak with you. Thank you so much for sharing your uh, your time, all of those insights. Uh, Thank you so much for taking, you know, all of your efforts and time at work to make the, the climate uh, climate crisis uh, something that uh, we can uh, all win together. So thank you so much, and uh, hope uh, we can uh, we can stay in touch and uh, and you know follow up in the in the future with you guys. We'd love that, and look forward to hearing the stories of all the great entrepreneurs and fellow investors in the future. So best of luck with the podcast. <laughs> thank you so much. Yay!